So check them out on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It has been a little bit of hiatus. There was some traveling. It is the holiday time, as you know. And I don't want to say I fell for the holiday traffic of it all, but things just happen to get busier for me on the holidays. But we are back. We're going to be more regular. And perfect timing, right? We're a quarter of the way into the season. A lot of great storylines, a lot of great numbers. I mean, we had Jose Alvarado drop a career-high 38 points. I know, out of nowhere last night. So that was fun. Lakers are rolling, um, and that's always a good thing after slowing, coming off really slow. They had a classic against the Bucks on Friday night. Like, it's really been some good basketball. Good numbers. Jason Tatum, out of his mind. Luka Doncic. Anthony Davis has been playing great. He's not even in the MVP conversation because there's so many folks. Steph Curry in the picture. So we're back. We're rolling. I just want to say, you know, Rumble Ramble is here. For, for, for business uh and we're gonna be regular with it now so thank you for rolling with me thanks for sticking in if you just tuned in welcome nice to meet you my name's corbin thank y'all um i have a great conversation here with lakers nation video analyst ron guterman good friend of mine we want to talk lakers i thought hey let's kick back into high gear let's talk about my team you know i'm a big i love all of the nba WNBA, all of it. Like, every team is my passion, but the Lakers have been my first love since I saw the purple and gold and was said, you know what, that looks like a fire team. So, Ron joins me to talk about the state of the Lakers as we sit a quarter of the way into the season, and we break it all down. We go from ranking some of the ancillary Laker pieces, talking about possible moves, we look into Darvin Ham's uh, coaching uh, tenure as of this point to see what we like, what we don't like. It was a fun conversation. Uh, good, just over a half hour or so. Um, deep dive onto a team that I think y'all will enjoy. So definitely make sure to check that out. Uh, again, we'll be going regular. Kind of come back with good content. Got a fun uh, draft episode coming out later this week. It's gonna be a blast. So definitely stay tuned. Stay up with me on Twitter at Corbin NBA Online. Um, you can find me there. Uh, Instagram. Facebook, Corbin NBA, it's kind of where I'm at. So check out the content there for sure. But until next time, y'all, stay tuned, sit back, enjoy. I am Frosty, y'all stay Frosty. Until next time, I'll talk to y'all real, real soon. And sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Ron Guterman. All right, and I am pleased to be joined here by good friend, Laker Nation video analyst, also doing stuff in baseball. I mean, this guy is a man of many talents, a man of many sports. Follow him on Twitter at Ron Goodman 24 It is Ron Goodman. Ron, how are you doing, bro? I'm doing good. How about you, man? I'm doing okay. I cannot complain. Um, we were just talking before, and as I'm recording, one of the few rare rainy days here in Arizona, and automatically you just want to drink some tea or some cocoa. I'm waiting for some hoops. As we record the Lakers, we're playing later on today, but not early enough. But I'm still, I'm still, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right, and happy to talk Lakers here with you. Um, always a good time to do that, but also just having you as a guest 
uh, on the inaugural uh, Down Bad Lakers fan show. So really, really excited about that. Thank you for that. Um, to get started, I, I mean, let's kind of just look at this Lakers team. We're about a quarter of the way through. Um, right now, the Lakers are 9-12, and 12, which eh, doesn't look super great, but obviously a lot better than the way it started and, you know, relative expectations. Um, they are 22nd offensive rating, which isn't great, but 11th in defensive rating and 18th overall. So kind of in the back half, but middle of the pack there. Um, but just taking stock of what they are, what are your thoughts as a whole? Are they better than you expected are they kind of worse? Are they right up to what you were looking at? I think it's an interesting questions, kind of given what we thought about this Lakers roster outside of LeBron AD and depending on your feelings on Russ. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really interesting because when, when the season started, I assumed they would be like a hovering 500 type team. I think I had them going 44 and 38, you know, 43 and 39, somewhere around there. So a hovering 500 team. And then the season started and it was horrible immediately like really really bad they didn't look you know that there were a few good things they were doing defensively but for the most part it, it was a pretty rough uh start to the year where it just didn't look like they were a very good team so I shifted my expectations immediately to oh this team is awful like this team is not going to go very far and over the last week or so um you know I don't want to take too much stock into like beating the Spurs three times because that's a team that's actively trying to lose. <laughs> yeah. But but they've done well enough, and that Bucks win was massive the other night. Um, they've done enough things the last couple weeks to where I can kind of go back to my original feeling, which is this is around a 500 team, probably a play-in tournament type team. Uh, and And they're kind of showing that the early start was kind of just, working out the kinks of a brand new roster, figuring out Russ's role. And now that they have that a little more settled in and like nailed to the ground, they're playing better basketball, but still, you know, I think a lot of people got emotional from, from the Bucks win, like the, they overreacted a little bit. This is still a, a, a fine team, but they're not like, all right, we're ready to make a run now. Like, I don't think they're at that point. That's more than fair. I was one of those people, Ron, pounding the drum. I was like, that. there were a lot of people. I don't blame you at all. There, were, there was even a moment there where I was like, man, is this team like good? Good. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Like, let's not. Let's wait a little bit because every time we feel that way, like we remember last year, there were a couple wins that they had that were really good. They beat the Grizzlies. Like, they had a couple really good wins last year. And every time you would be like, okay, they're they're gearing up now they would lose the next game to like an awful team by 15. Yeah. So like I just got to wait and see what, what consistency they have. Absolutely. It's funny that you say that. Cause I was just um, having a show um, as a guest on a Wizards podcast, previewing the upcoming game against Wizards. And I was like, listen, you know, this Lakers team, like that was a really good win against Milwaukee, but I'm not sure if this is the type of team that won't then go and have a letdown game against a Wizards team that is definitely not on the level of the bucks. Yeah. I think, I think, AD and LeBron and Russ and Darvin Ham even put every ounce of like soul they had into that Bucks game. You could see the way the three of them are playing. Darvin Ham knows the Bucks extremely well. Obviously, he was there for years. I think it was just kind of like a perfect storm of we're all ready to play our best game or coach our best game. Yes. And now that they're now that they're playing the Wizards, like no disrespect to the Wizards. They're a they're they're a solid team this year. They're gonna be, you know, a play-in type team. Mm. Um, but like Nobody looks at the Wizards the same way they look at the Bucks in terms of, like, that's a point on our schedule where we have a chance to make a statement. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And 
yeah, what a game that was. I mean, we're going to take that in stride, like you said, because it was a yeah. signature win and a, just a classic, one of the best games of the season. But you're right, this Lakers team still trying to take stock of what they are, and we don't know if they're there. Like, they're definitely not Milwaukee's level moving forward, you know? Yeah. So that's for sure. Um, Kind of moving from both of LeBron and AD, we kind of knew how they, how they would be, or we knew what they would have to be for the Lakers to be any type of team this year. We saw last year in AD who... Um, trying to remember if it was Jason Timp. Yeah, uh, Jason Timp described as Clint Capella with some off-the-dribble moves and a, and a jump shot once in a while, which I thought was hilarious. Um, but when AD was playing at that level and LeBron is just scoring, not playing defense and not 100% effective, we saw what the Lakers were last year. All, also add to that, tons of injuries up and down the board, right? So we knew what we needed from LeBron and AD. And, and, and so far, I mean, both have been solid. AD's been better than I hoped to start the year. And I was looking at him as an MVP candidate. Obviously, there's been way stronger candidates down the line. But AD, over this last stretch of four, five, six games, has been just mad dominant. 35 points, 15 boards, three assists, the sky-high shooting percentage. With that, though, taking those players aside, I kind of want to get your thoughts on well, these following players and how you would rate them. Because it was the supporting cast that was going to be big for the Lakers team. That obviously includes Russell Westbrook. Um, the, our taxpayer mid-level exception acquisition, Lonnie Walker, uh, I put Troy Brown Jr. there, you know, as kind of the de facto wing um, stopper sort of player, Pat Beverly, who we acquired, you know, in a trade with Utah, of course, and then Austin Reeves um, in his sophomore season. So if you were ranking Westbrook, Walker, Troy Brown, Beverly, and Reeves, kind of how would you put them there? How would you put them? And also kind of your thoughts on each one, because I definitely think you have an interesting mix of players here relative to expectations. Yeah, you know, relative to expectations is a big thing, right? Because I think if we're going who has been like the best pure player, um, I, I may go Lonnie Walker. Like it's a close battle, mm-hmm. but I may go Lonnie Walker for doing best, purely best player this season. But if we're going relative to expectations, I think Russ has to be first. I think this was a guy like, we, we were going into this season and Lakers fans were calling for his head on a nightly basis. They were calling for him to be shipped off to literally anywhere if it got the Lakers some decent pieces in return. Uh, the Lakers front office, you know, was basically leaking a rumor every two or three days about a rust trade. Like, it, 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 he was a guy that no one on earth thought when April came last season, when, when the season ended and Frank Vogel's getting fired as they're walking off the court in Denver, like no one thought that Russell Westbrook would be on the roster when the season started because it was too much of a disaster. And, and the Lakers couldn't find a deal that they liked. They rolled with Russ. They moved him to the bench. They said, hey, we're giving this another go, but we're changing your role. And Russ has taken it in stride in a way that you kind of never thought he would, right? Like that was, that's always been the gripe about Russ is that he, his mentality doesn't allow him to like play winning basketball. And this year he has completely flipped that on its head. He has played winning basketball. He has played a role that he's never played before and doing it extremely well. He's hustling. His passing has gotten better somehow, which like, Like, I don't know that that's a thing that improves in your 30s, but he's improved at it. Um, (laughs) He's shooting kind of inefficiently, but he's taking less bad shots than he was last year. So he's he's shooting a better selection. He's not super efficient at it, but it's a better selection. So we're cool. And he's defending at a I don't want to give him too much credit, like a below like a below average level, which is better than last year, where it was like 
legitimately terrible and he was losing track of his man always. He was out of plays always because he was gambling for steals. So he's just been better across the board this year. So relative to expectations, I think I have to go him first. Uh, Second, I'll go Lonnie. Um, I think Lonnie was kind of, again, relative to expectations, kind of an underwhelming use of the taxpayer mid-level. I think fans were hoping for more with him, with, with that, you know, $6 million uh, tool in the, in the shed. They went with Lonnie Walker and, you know, the, the numbers weren't great from him in San Antonio. He wasn't a great defender. He wasn't an efficient shooter, but this year he's kind of played really quality basketball. He's shooting the ball better than he ever has. He is playing quality defense. He's not some, you know, all defense type player, but he's playing quality defense. Um, and he's making things happen for the Lakers offensively, especially when LeBron was out or not playing well. Uh, Lonnie was doing a really great job of just like being a guy you could trust to put the ball in the basket. And the Lakers with LeBron not playing his best didn't really have a lot of those guys. So, I, you know, I really, I think he's, he's been great there. Um, and then third, I'm going Austin Reeves. Um, Austin Reeves, last year when he debuted, I think we all kind of got really caught up in the hype because we were like, oh my God, we found our next Caruso. Like, that was the big thing. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it was pretty evident early on that he's a much different type of player than Alex Caruso. Um, the, like, the style that he played with was he was an offensive-minded guy. He could shoot the ball. He could make a good read. He could beat you off the dribble sometimes. Like, that was what the archetype was for him, who's a solid defender, but defense isn't his calling card. Um, and I think this year we're seeing, like, the actual good version of what Austin Reeves last year, like what we thought he was because last year, if you really like dig into the stats, I don't know if you've like digged into last year's stats, mainly because it's so depressing to do so a little bit, a little bit, (laughs) but Austin Reeves wasn't very good last year. He shot, I think like 31% from three. Uh Uh, He, he turned the ball over a decent amount. Wasn't really efficient in the ways that we thought he was going to be efficient. And this year, he is like who we thought he was last year, which is he's a really good passer. He's beating guys off the dribble. He's shooting corner threes efficiently. Like he's kind of becoming this guy that can do anything on the offensive end. And then he's playing good defense. Like He's not playing amazing. He's not Caruso by any stretch of the imagination. But he is a plus defender. And the Lakers, you know, th- this is a defense first team, given the way the roster is structured given the way their stats have gone so far this season, they need to be a defense first team. And and he's he's played good enough defense to like hold up that end of the bargain. Mm-hmm. So I, I like him a lot. Those are those are the three like positive ones. Yeah. Um Troy Brown Jr. I'd put it fourth. Okay. Um you know it, it's tough because normally when you say like and, and you know you called him the the de facto wing of the team and it's true um, but in, in a way, I almost feel kind of like bad for Troy Brown Jr. because he should never be a team's de facto wing. Like, <laughs> yeah, he just shouldn't be. That's not him. No. That's not him. He he's paid a veteran minimum salary and he's a six foot six shooting guard. Like he's not a de facto wing, nor should he ever be put in that role. And I feel like I feel like a little bit the Lakers have kind of left him out to dry. Mm-hmm. Um 
with the way they've played him because they don't have other options. Juan Toscano Anderson has been injured and not really good when he plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, LeBron's been in and out of the lineup. And so when you're talking about wings, you look at the Lakers roster and it's like, okay, they got none. So like, like literally zero wings. So Trey Brown Jr. I think is being forced to play a role that is both above his pay grade and above his stature. And so I think if he was playing in a role that better suited him, we would see a better player because there is a good player in there because he he has shown he's shown in flashes this year that he can be, you know, a quality shooter, a quality defender. He can like fight for offensive boards like he he's shown that he can do some things. Mm-hmm. He's just playing out of his role. And I think it's I think it's just not working super well for him. Um, So I, I, I would hope that if the Lakers do eventually make some type of trade that it's, it's for a wing that allows Troy Brown jr. To like play his position. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but o- overall, not too much complaints, The obviously Pat Bev is five. I think mm-hmm. that was the most obvious one when you named the five players. <laughs> yeah. I had, to throw a, I had to throw a bad one in there. Yeah. That, that like, yeah, that was the most obvious ranking. Patrick Beverly has not been good. Um, he is defended at an okay level, but it like, he came in and and you looked at the numbers and you said, oh, like he's kind of a three and D guard. Like he can, he he's a great defender, you know, all in B he's been all defense before, I think like mm-hmm. one, one or two times. Yeah. Um, he, you know, shoots the three of his career is like a 38, 37% guy, which is like, no one thought that about Patrick Beverly. No. And then the season started and it was like, oh, okay. So he's not cool. Like, <laughs> like we thought- we tricked ourselves into thinking he was, yeah, and then he wasn't, which is what we thought before the trade. Before the trade, another yeah. great shooter who goes to LA and forgets to shoot. You know, yeah. the only guy who's done that so far that's been up to that rep was what Carmelo Anthony and, and Malik Monk. And like Lonnie has been better than advertised as shooter, yeah, got him too. Thing, but like you're right, it's totally it's a Lakers thing. Like shooters come to die here. Like this is, <laughs> this, is this is what it's been for a very long time. The Lakers. This is, and we'll get into more trade stuff later, but it's mm-hmm. so funny that we like everyone is so desperate for Buddy Heald. And like, you just know the second Buddy Heald gets in the door, he's a 33%er. Like, <laughs> you just know that's going to happen on high volume. Of, yep. It, it happens every time. Yeah. It happens every time the Lakers acquire like a shooter. Like, they got Wesley Matthews, and it was like, he, like, I, I remember tweeting this out. They signed Wesley Matthews. He had never shot under 37.5% in a season for his career. So guess what he did with the Lakers? He shot 35.8. Like, wow. He, he, shot a, he shot a career worse. From three with the Lakers. From three. It, you know, I From think three. I know where this goes back to. Okay. 2018, trade deadline, Avicii Zubat for Mike Muscala. For Mike Muscala. It's, for it's a Muscala. shooter. <laughs> it's, it's the Muscala curse. Yes. I think, yeah. I think Mike Muscala shot like under thirty five percent. and we got him with the express purpose of shooting in space the floor for LeBron and the lack of shooters we had with you know who was it? It was Rondo at the time. It was Rondo, Lance Stevenson. Ingram, yeah, Ingram. It was exactly. Awful. It was rough. <laughs> no, but it 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 literally does go back to that. Like, there's a there's a thing about the Lakers now where it's just like if you are a good shooter and the Lakers acquire you to be a good shooter, you will no longer be a good shooter. It's over. So I think that's what happened with Patrick Beverly and he's not like playing good enough defense to over like counter that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at some point, you know, when we're talking about trades, I I think 
Patrick Beverly's got to be one of the first guys out the door uh, in terms of trying to make a move to improve the roster. Exactly. And that's a great transition right on to our next question, man, because you're right. I mean, Pat Beverly is, is definitely a guy that has been talked about, um, especially in more recent weeks, swirling around trade rumors. And we knew, you know, going into the season that the 2027, 2029 first round picks were going to be kind of the story or the backdrop of the season. How well would LeBron AD play? If they come out strong, do we flip those picks to capitalize on that? If they come out weak, what, what do we do with that? You know what I mean? Are we trying to save the season knowing that our trade, our pick goes to New Orleans? What is the situation with that, right? But having seen a quarter of the Lakers games this, this year, are you on board with, like, jettisoning those picks for a difference maker? Are you good with sitting pat? Do you think it makes a difference either way? Um, and then we can kind of go into, like, what moves you would like to see this season um, if you are thinking about making a move even if that involves holding a pick back or holding both and making just a move on the margins. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about trading two very far out first round picks, I think, Mm -hmm. you know, you you use the phrase difference maker and (laughs) like, I don't know what that is, is the problem. Like I don't, and and the Lakers don't know what that is. Like what I I think the obvious, the, the, the number one trade package that has been talked about the most is, is the Pacers one of, of Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. And I have firmly been on the stance that that is not a difference making trade package like that the lakers would be a little better but here's what's interesting now is all this talk about the 2027 2029 firsts have been in conjunction with russ and russ has been good mm-hmm. and like not only has russ been good russ has been beneficial to lakers winning games not just putting up individual numbers yeah. he's like helping the lakers win yeah and so now it's almost like if you trade Russ and those two firsts for Buddy and Miles Turner, not only do you no longer have firsts like to trade for anything else, mm-hmm. it's also not like a hundred percent guaranteed that you are going from what you are now to a contending team. Like there's no guarantees because the Lakers have been playing some pretty good ball. You know, they started zero and five, right? Like, they started 0 and 5 which means they're 9 and 7 since then. Yeah. You're playing above 500 basketball right now. Does trading Russ in two firsts to go to Miles Turner and Buddy Heald does that make you go from an above 500 team to an you know, a championship team? Like I don't think so because I I tend to think that Buddy Heald and Miles Turner have been overrated as players ever since this trade uh like this trade discussion started about them. So I think they're a little bit overrated as players. I think at this point, like the smart thing to do right now is to take Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn, and maybe one of the two firsts mm-hmm. and try to see if you can go get like just Buddy Heald or like just a Josh Richardson type or just one solid quality role player. Okay. Just go get one. And if you see that it's like working, Maybe then you discuss Russ and the other first round pick, like at the trade deadline, you do something like that. But I I need to see like one better player step in the door and see if it really makes a difference. Or is this team just is what it is? Because that might be the case. And if that's the case, I don't want to throw away two first round picks that are highly valuable around the league for, for like marginal improvement. 
Yeah. No, I get you. And I like your idea of splitting up those two picks first because I was looking at it too. I'm like, I see all the trades have been kind of talked about. Um, I know Dan Vavali did a great uh, piece on Bleach Report. Kind of great. It was like a choose-your-own-adventure involving the Lakers and whether they, you know, make a swing for, you know, the quote-unquote impact player, whether they, you know, go around the margins, whatever the case may be. And, uh, like, even as he was laying these out and did a really good job doing it, I'm like, ah, I don't know if I like any of those players to be the difference maker, whether it is a Buddy Hield, Miles Turner type package, whether that is a Jakob Pertl, Josh Richardson, or a Bojan Bogdanovich, Malik Beasley, you know, all of that three team kind of trade stuff. Like, are those players coming in and doing a 2018 Cleveland Cavs, you know, trade deadline re- yeah. rebuild? I, I don't think they are. And also, let's be real, that was in large part due to a 34 year old LeBron James who was still you know, somewhere in the post of his prime, where yeah. now he is clearly not in that. Yeah, and I think that 2018 Cavs team, like, yes, they made a bunch of changes at the trade deadline. Like, they they completely overhauled their team at the trade deadline, which was mm-hmm. unprecedented. Yeah. And it worked, but it worked to the degree of LeBron was superhuman in those playoffs. Yes, like, was. it wouldn't have worked if LeBron wasn't superhuman in those playoffs because he took a four-seeded Cavs team, I think. They were either four or five, and essentially made it to where, like, they didn't even have to worry in the playoffs. Like, I think the Celtics gave them a little bit of a run for their money in that conference finals. Uh, They got – they took them to seven games, but I don't know a single soul on on earth that watches basketball that thought the Celtics were going to beat the Cavs in that game seven. Like – no one thought that. It was like, cool, good for the Celtics for pushing them to seven. LeBron James is going to outplay everyone in this game seven and win the game. Like, that was just common knowledge. Yeah. It wasn't – no one thought, ah, Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance, they're going to carry the Cavs to victory tonight. It was like, okay, great, they made all these changes, but it's LeBron. Like, LeBron's the reason this is all happening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, and that's so- just – that's just what it was. <laughs> yeah, and then, and the same could be said of the Lakers this year. You can make all the changes you want. You can trade all the picks you want. If LeBron and AD are superhuman, the Lakers will be good. If they're not superhuman, the Lakers will be bad. It just it, it it's quite that simple at this point. Yeah, you broke it down pretty simply. That's, that is what it is. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, I mean, you kind of talked about what moves you hope to see this season. I definitely like diversifying your assets in that way, and you know, just taking the pulse on a move and seeing if that does any good, especially like I said, if you trade for Buddy Hill, you have his contract after the season, not exactly the prettiest, definitely impacts your free agency plans. You're not going to get Miles Turner, especially the way he's been playing with just one pick. But if you trade both, he's also a free agent at the end of the year. So again, and, and Miles Turner is an injury guy. Like mm-hmm. we talk about Anthony Davis as an injury guy all the time. Miles Turner is an injury guy too. And while he is a good player, like when he's healthy, he is a good player and the right type of center to pair next to AD. Like, he fits in the scheme. Mm-hmm. But the, the two things I always go back to is, are you really going to give up an unprotected future first-round pick for a center when you already have a really good one in Anthony Davis? Like, in the playoffs, are you really going to play both Anthony Davis and Miles Turner 36 minutes a night? No. It's, it, it, I mean, you're seeing what's happening to other teams that play centers 36 minutes a night in the playoffs. Usually it doesn't go too well for them. Mm-hmm. And then he's also an injury guy, so... Now you have your three highest paid players, LeBron, AD, Miles Turner, all injury red flags at this point in their career. And it's like, I don't trust that. Like, no. I don't want, 
I don't what what happens if two of them get injured, the Lakers fall apart and now they don't even have first round picks like forever. They're done with first round picks till 2030. Like yes, that's a that's a problem. That you're you're fresh out of assets and your team is stuck in the mire for sure. This is what if you had a, a injury, let's say LeBron already kind of he's playing well, but he tweaked his ankle in that Milwaukee game, right? AD's been playing well this season, but had back tightness. I think every game I've seen, he's been monitored for back tightness, right? On and off, yeah. right? You bring in Miles Turner, you trade both first round picks, he goes down. All of a sudden you got like a 27-55 win team. Yeah. You know, like it's not out of the realm possibility that that happens. We start at 0-5 with everyone in the roster. That, and that's why, like, if you're talking about trading two first round picks, it, it's gotta be a like reliable difference maker. And and I say that knowing full well that that probably doesn't exist. Like that mm-hmm. trade probably doesn't exist. Like I know it, it's been floated around the the DeMar DeRozan uh Nikola Vucevic package. Mm-hmm. Like uh, this may be, and you let me know if this uh-huh. is an unpopular take. Okay. I I think I prefer the Pacers deal to that one. Oh, to Demar and Vooch. Yeah, and, and and the main reason is what problem does like what problem the Lakers are currently having do Demar Derozan and Nikola Vucevic fix? Like I agree. You, yeah, Vooch, of, yeah. They they solve none of the problems and make the defense worse. In, in, one in move, the process, <laughs> in, in, in one move, they solve yeah. no problems and create new ones. Mm-hmm. You already having Russ off the bench because he clashes with LeBron in terms of both of them being ball dominant players. Well, I'm sorry, Demar Derozan manufactures his own shots, is not a catch and shoot three point shooter, and, and, and really plays from He's what twenty feet in. Uh, there you go. You <laughs> know any type of three point shooter. He's exactly. Not, like, he's. He's a mid-range guy, and he's one of the most elite mid-range players that the modern game has seen. Mm-hmm. I love DeMarc Rosen as a player. I would love him in Los Angeles just for the story of it because I, he's a Los Angeles guy. Like, that's really cool. But he's a bad fit on this roster, almost the same way Russ is a bad fit on this roster. And Nikola Vucevic is, is a bad fit, like, is really bad fit because he can't play defense. Mm-hmm. He shoots threes okay but like what are we really doing at that point you're taking space away from anthony davis who's been dominant in the paint by putting in a like cement brick of paint like i i, I don't know it's just the wrong type of dude for this team demar is the wrong type of dude so i, I, I love that trade but i think this is what the lakers do and this is kind of what lakers fans do where they get caught up in the names they get they get really excited demar to rosen in purple and gold wow that'd be but, great like, but like, and it would be it like in a vacuum, it would be awesome. Demar Derozan is an awesome dude, and like an LA guy. Mm-hmm. But really, think about what that looks like. You know, it's the first round of the playoffs, or it's the play-in tournament. It's the fourth quarter. It's a close game, and it's Demar Derozan and LeBron James trying to figure out who's going to take the next shot. No, and and it becomes what it was last year, which is just taking turns playing ISO ball. Or even worse, uh, LeBron and, and DeMar DeRozan trying to figure out a 3-4 pick and roll the defensive end. Yeah, like, <laughs> they're not navigating that. LeBron, no. at this point in his career, is not good enough on defense to navigate that. Mm-hmm. And DeMar, while he's a fine defender, he's not navigating that either. So it's like you're you're losing something on both ends of the court. Russell Westbrook, while he's not a very good defender, I if he gets pick and rolled to death, at the very least, I know he has the athleticism to like make up ground if he makes a bad read. Yeah, which he's done a few times. I was about to say, which would happen. <laughs> so, 
it happens a lot. He makes a bad read, but he has the speed and athleticism to get back into the play. DeMar really doesn't. So if he makes a bad read, he's out of the play. Yeah. And and LeBron is not that dude anymore on defense to where he can like cover both cover both guys. Like remember Giannis in the finals against the Suns when he got pick and rolled by Booker and Aiden mm-hmm. and he guarded both Booker and Aiden. Like he contested Booker's lob and then blocked Aiden's dunk. Yes. Like that was an immense the positioning, the reflexes, the IQ perfect. all in one six ten freakish package. It was a perfect defensive basketball play. Yes. And LeBron is not capable of that anymore. Like he was at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not capable of that anymore. And so when I'm thinking about DeMar, like I'm thinking about a lineup that's like Reeves, DeMar, LeBron, AD, Vucevic. Yeah. And I'm just like, like on paper, that sounds great. Like if you just look at names, that sounds great. But if I'm really thinking about what that's going to look like on a court, yeah, I'm looking at clunky shooting, a very like very little pressure on the rim because AD doesn't have the space he needs to operate. I'm thinking defensively, everyone is it's it's AD and Reeves basically having to guard five people. Like it it's it's so ugly to me, and I I'd, I'd rather Miles Turner and Buddy Heald because at least. Like they're worse players, but they fit. Like, they fit they better. Exactly. Incomplete be pieces, but a good piece for the team that we have. It's it's gotta be fit at this point, right? Like mm-hmm. you can't make another rust trade, which is go get the big name and figure it out later. You can't do that again. That's like the number one no no. Yeah. It has to be a trade for fit. So yeah. you you may have to sacrifice and get worse players, but ones that fit. That fit better. Exactly. No, that makes perfect sense. All right, we got some rapid fire here real quick, but um, I want to get uh, your take, Ron. We're a quarter of the way into the year. How would you grade Coach Ham's performance? I definitely like his interviews. I've liked him since he came in. You see the way he takes players aside and is talking to them, you know, really trying to impart positivity. But in general, he's also made some interesting rotations and, and lineup moves. Um, some of that, just who he has to the cards he's dealt and some of that him. How would you grade his performance? I think I'd give him like a B minus. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I'd give him a B minus because – as a motivator, he's an A. He's a top tier guy. Um, I I can't ignore the hand he's been dealt. Like with this roster, like uh, he gets criticized for four guard rotations. Well, what do you want him to do? The team is mostly guards. Like, exactly, <laughs> very true. That's statistically his only option. Um, so, so, but he does have some some interesting decisions. Uh, defensively, his schemes have not been super, super great, but Anthony Davis has been just so superhuman. He's made up for it. Yeah. Um, offensively, there's been, you know, it's hard for me to tell what is a good Darvin Ham scheme getting an open three point shooter or no defender caring about a Lakers open three point shooter. Like, <laughs> it's hard Turn for the me egg. to tell. Yeah. So, so it, it's, but overall, I think he has been a, a solid coach. And for the fact that it's his first year and he's only, you know, 21 games into his head coaching career, I think he's solid and I'm excited to see how he grows as a coach. Absolutely. And then my last question for you, Ron, it's, it's gut check time here. We got a sample size. We've seen how it goes. It's kind of a bit of a choose your own adventure still, but you know, uh, we're getting, <laughs> uh, what, December 15th. Um, when players sign this off to be traded, of course, the actual trade deadline, you know, um, what, into March, I think. But you've seen so far, 9 and 12. What are your updated predictions, if they are updated, on where these Lakers will land? 
it's <laughs> a little it's so funny. There. It's so funny that you say choose your own adventure because like mm -hmm. that's it really is what it is because you could choose to be hopeful after like the last five or six games, or you could choose to remember like the first eight games where they were terrible, like terrible, terrible. Pretty rough. Pretty rough. Exactly. How do you choose to see it? <laughs> I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna amend my original prediction. I'm just gonna make them right now. I think I have them going 500. Just 500. 41 and 41. A 500 team. I think that's good enough to be like the nine or ten in the play-in tournament. Um, I, I. It's hard for me to go go off the Bucks win and just say like, yes, this is what they are now. Because mm -hmm. it's that's never really the case. Um, I'm I'm excited to see you know their the rest of their road trip. They play some really solid teams. They also have some winnable games in there. I'm excited to see how they approach the rest of the trip. Um, and if they approach it well, then I may you know amend that. But I think right now they're like a hovering 500 team. Okay, I like that for sure. Definitely, I think. I'm going to say about the same. Definitely more of a play-in team. I mean, I like I said, I don't think the move is going to make them rip off, as AD says from time to time, I always think it's hilarious. Who's going to win like 10 in a row? Like AD. <laughs> <laughs> We're a 10-game win streak away. Exactly. Oh. You've been there for three seasons now. <laughs> you know, I don't think that's changing this year. Even when they won the championship, I don't think they had a 10-game win streak in there. I think they no. had like a few sevens or eights. Yes. Won ten. 10 in a row happens like, happens like once every two years by the best team. Like, exactly. The Celtics last year rattled off 10 in a row after the All-Star break. Mm. Like, that's they, – they went to the finals. <laughs> yeah, that's not something that normally happens. So for AD to keep saying I love his commitment to the to the bit, but um, no. But with that being said, yeah, I'm with you. I definitely think they're, you know, maybe eight or nine. You know, maybe yeah. they're uh, in a game where if they win, they're immediately in the playoffs and they don't got to win two. Um, but it's definitely more shades that 2021 team than last year's team, which, for better or for worse. And, again, a lot of that's riding on health of LeBron and AD, knock on all the wood in the world, to continue playing healthy and also for AD to play at the levels that he's been playing because he's been monstrous. I mean, if there wasn't, you know, about seven other players playing at a more consistent, better level this season, I had him as my MVP pick, um, uh, primarily what I thought he would do, and he's doing it. It's just other guys are doing a little more. Yeah, um, Jason Tatum's doing a lot. Yeah, more. exactly. I'm looking at Tatum. I mean, Curry's been crazy. Luca, like he's in that conversation and power all props to AD for doing that. But like you said, you're not passing Tatum. Um, I was already set up. You have to be monstrous and Tatum as a father the face of the earth. Sort of in play, but probably not in play. But um, with that being said, Ron, thank you so much for hopping on. I really do appreciate you as always coming on here. Um, couldn't think of anyone better to talk Lakers with. Uh, and I also wanted to just tell people, you know, where they can find you and all the work you're doing, not just the Lakers, but I mean, in general, you are, like I said, a man of many hats here. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Ron Guterman24. Uh, I'll be doing video stuff on YouTube and uh, wherever you find podcasts for Lakers Nation. Uh, on the web, you can find me at Dodgers, uh, Dodgers Insi Dodger Insider, uh, working for, you know, the, the L.A. Dodgers, uh, covering their team from within. So that's a that's an exciting thing. And uh, yeah, that's that's kind of everywhere you can find me. Definitely love hearing that, man, for sure. It's always a pleasure, again, having you on, and that's where you can find him for myself, at Corbin NBA. Pretty simple. Not as much going on, but you know what? We still move. It's all good. <laughs> um, definitely make sure to check out both Round Ball Ramble, Down Bad Lakers fan, um, just all the stuff I have, it's on Twitter there for sure. But until next time, y'all, it's been a blast. Thank you again to Ron. Uh, for myself, both of us, y'all take care wherever y'all are. Have it a great day, and we'll talk real, real soon. Ooh.
Highland Barrett, Highland